Okay, so today we're going to be interviewing Sander, uh, a client we had from Southeast Asia who had a very interesting background. Uh, I think she's one of the most impressive candidates we've ever had in the program. And given her age and what she's accomplished and where she's going, she's obviously got a very inspiring trajectory that I think could help many candidates understand how they could position their career. So I'm not going to go into giving too much of a background. I'm first going to welcome Sander. Welcome to the interview. Hi, Michael. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. So I'm going to go straight into the questions we're going to have a back and forth about how she managed her career and how she moved into MBB and so on. So, Sander, maybe as a good start, maybe just do a brief introduction about yourself and describe your life growing up in Southeast Asia. Okay. Um, so I was born in a... Uh in a kind of well we live we were kind of a poor family in the capital of a southeast asian country mm-hmm. my dad was a uh, driver and my mom does uh, administrative work um, that's one of the uh, government institution mm-hmm. so um, we earned well my dad passed away um, in an accident when i was in high school and so it was really hard for my mom to um, rock my brother and me growing up I um, I then I have always done well at school, and so after after high school, I went to one of the top public university in my country, studying um, business. And um, during that time, I had the chance to work with uh, U.S. students, and all they talk about are two things: uh, investment banking and consulting. And so I looked into these two industries. I know that my personality will not fit with investment banking and I actually find um, consulting very interesting how they break the problem down and just you know the opportunity to get exposure to different industries I um, I completed a pretty very selective internship in my country where one of the MBB is is a partner so uh, that's how I know about um, that's how I know about that MBB is hiring local student as well. So I applied to that MBB and then another MBB who is in another country. And then I uh, got in and uh, I did one project in my country. Okay, that um, makes sense. So so your interest in, well, you had a, I think a very difficult life. I mean, you know, I think that, you know, your father would still be very proud of you to see what you've accomplished. But you went through a university that's not ranked outside of your country, right? Yes. So, because when when we were you know doing the background check on you and we were trying to see if you'd be a good fit for the program, we couldn't find any information about your university, and and clearly there was no motivation from your career counselors and so on to to encourage you to go after McKinsey and so on. Is that correct? There was no career counselor or career center in my in my university or in my country in general. So your career counselor was Google. Yes, <laughs> that's pretty much it. Okay, so you, you talk about an internship, and you know, at your internship, you got exposure to uh, consulting firms, the elite consulting firms. You also worked with these American students and so on. You raised an interesting point that you were not a good fit for investment banking. Why do you think you're not a good fit? For, why did you think at that point you were not a good fit for investment banking? Well, so as you mentioned, Google is a, it's like you can just learn how to go and how to speak English well, how to read, and then you can have access to a lot of materials out there. So um, through, mostly through one, reading books, and two, talking to the U.S. to the American students. I also had the chance to um, spoke to one former like U.S. students who work at one of the most elite bank 
um, investment banks in the U.S. and he really came across as someone who was really arrogant and just he rubbed me in the wrong way. Whereas all of the consultants that I have met, and by all I mean it's absolutely like all of them, were very they were very articulate, very charming, and just and just they they just seemed so well educated and 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 well traveled, and that was something I aspire to. So. So that's why I think that I would really want to have a career in consulting and not investment banking. Okay, so once you um, had the internship, you started having discussions with people. Now, correct me if I'm wrong here, right? Before you worked with us, you never had applied to any of the major consulting firms before. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. Okay, so you were this um, young lady in Southeast Asia, you know, no career counselors, um, some interaction with you know, McKinsey, Bain, BCG Partners, and so on. And then you, you, I thought you took quite a bold step to send us an email reaching out to us. I mean, wh what did you expect to happen when you send us an email? Because to be honest, the email came from left field. I read it again this morning and, you know, I remember we took two weeks to respond to you because we weren't sure whether we could even work, whether we could even help you, whether we would be the kind of people that could help you. What made the decision to, to, to seek help? Well, um... Well, at that time, I thought that I thought I I thought it was a long shot for me to um, to just to get my my foot in the door at all of those consulting firms. I know for a fact, though, is that um, so one of the MBBs in my country, and they hired local students, and um, and I I looked up at the profile of one girls, and she had a somewhat of a similar background, but still, I still think it's a long shot. I was well. To use the word desperate would be the right word. Like I, um, I was, <laughs> I was just uh, just Google like crazy, trying to find all of the resources uh, about you know management consulting as I as I can, trying to find as much as possible. And there are basically three sources. But of all the three, only you offer the you know interactive, like you know student can send resume or you know schedule a call with you, mm -hmm. and the other two were not. And so I say, well, if, you know, you never, you have zero chance of the shot that you don't take. Mm -hmm. So uh, I shot you an email. I didn't, I, I actually, I didn't expect to hear from you so much as, you know, just have a peace of mind that, you know, at least I, I, I send an email. Okay, so that's interesting, right? So you face all these obstacles. I mean, you, you come from a country where the standard of living is fairly low. Uh, lots of obstacles. Everyone's advising you to do something else. How do you create that internal drive to try to pursue something that's so difficult at face value? How do you motivate yourself to do that? That's actually that's actually an easier question to answer. So, um, so when my dad passed away, I'll I'll never forget um, that uh, that period in my in my life. So my mom was. My dad was a breadwinner, and so my mom depended a lot on him. And when he passed away, like all of our extra classes were cut off. In fact, my my teacher actually offered me to just like go to class for free. Um, I thought it's really important for you to be financially independent, mm -hmm. and uh, knowing and knowing the amount of salary that people pay to fresh graduates in in, in my country, mm -hmm. it's just it's not gonna be enough. It's uh, like you barely survive on yourself, much less saving for anything. And I know that my mom is going to retire in the next uh, three or four years. So money is well, it's not it's not a differentiator 
but it's a strong motivator for me and it's just like the general I look for upward mobility uh, I want to you know earning enough and having decent enough of a of a job that you know that give me just a better quality of life and enough uh, financial means to support my family so it's it's it it was a burning desire inside me and I don't think that I have ever thought stopped thinking about it in 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 college okay so that's interesting so you know it makes perfect sense given what you've been through I'm gonna I'm gonna phrase the question slightly different to just probe a little bit deeper here if you don't mind so we have a lot of people writing to us um, you know with your background sometimes there's even you know more challenging circumstances but I think that you know having worked with you and seen how determined you and how you don't give up and how you just keep on pushing and pushing um, for a lot of people even in similar situations to yours they sometimes decide that things are not going to work out what, what keeps you optimistic about things what kept me optimistic about things? I actually, so, so in consulting framework, right? So like you have one of the three C's of competition. Mm -hmm. So I actually, I benchmark myself with, uh, with other students. And I know that I'm kind of like one particle. I should not be stuck in the middle, but I kind of stuck in the middle. Yeah. So in terms of background, like I would not, I would not be, I will never be like, at least on paper, be as good as the, you know, overseas educated students from my country. Yeah. But in terms of, uh, in terms of the local market, I'm pretty sure that I am kind of like above average in that market. And so I saw, I saw myself and I thought, okay, um, at least in my country, I would not, I would not be too, I would not pale in comparison to the local students. And the only thing that people valued about, you know, overseas educated uh, students is that one, they speak better English and two, they have more work experience. Mm -hmm. So what could I do to upset those two things? So yeah, so coming back to my uh, freshman and my sophomore year, I made it a priority for me to speak English really well. Mm -hmm. And I also look to find the best internship I can find in um, and just work my tail off. So that's so 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 so. In short, like benchmarking with other students, uh, give me kind of like a ray of hope that you know maybe people would really be interested in my resume. And if they compare mine with others, maybe mine will you know stick out just a little. Well, that's interesting you said that because we're busy finishing a study at Firms Consulting called the Women Premium. And what the study looks at is people with your background, but also more challenging circumstances, if that's possible, who overcame you know great obstacles to join the elite consulting firms, the so-called MBBs. And one of the th one of the big findings is that they're really good at benchmarking themselves against their peers, and then trying to find out how to, you know, negate or overcome weaknesses. And it's interesting that you did the exact same thing even before you started working with us. So that's a common trend. So so let's maybe step back into um, you know how you prepared. You you lived in a country with very little um, um, access to case partners, very little access to material. One of the things that surprised me about you significantly is I remember the first call we had, and people don't know this about Sanda, but she she's the only person who's ever had only three lessons with us and got into an elite firm. So no one ever has done that before. You, you know, most people, the, the 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 closest is someone who only had six lessons with us, but she was a PhD from an Ivy League school studying in the United States. So the one thing that surprised me about you significantly is in that first call, 
you had this ability to extract all of the lessons from the podcasts, our articles, and our videos more than anyone else I'd ever seen in my entire life. Is that how do you develop that skill? Is that something you purposefully develop? Um, purposely develop? I'm um I'm I'm not sure about that, but um I guess one of the, these things will have explained. Uh, one, as I have mentioned, um. Maybe not as good as you know other students who 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 went to elite uh, college, mm-hmm. but I, in terms of my country, I have always been a good student. Like ever since elementary school up to high school up to college, mm-hmm. so in terms of uh, at least like on academic performance, uh, I have always so the material is kind of I don't seek memorization. I mm-hmm. seek understanding. Mm-hmm. So for all of the materials, I want to make sure that I have to understand the the underpinnings, the underlying drivers, mm-hmm. and so just um, just follow that. And I think it's also I think I think you I think you praise me a little bit too much. You were very effective um, explainer as well. So I feel like learning from you is really it's really easy for me to just absorb information from you. Um, and the way that you uh, set out in the podcast and as well as this side. So it's, it's, it's just, um, I guess it's just a matter of, uh, of time. Like if I, if I don't get it the first time, I will get it the second time. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, to... How many times did you watch the videos? How many times did I watch the videos? Yeah. About, about once, once or twice. So you watched. So let's just let's step back. So to understand the estimation and the and the full case concept, you watched it once or twice, and then you were able to come into a training session. And you did very well, I thought, in the training session. I was just looking at your case files, and I was quite impressed with that. So just once or twice, right? And and what was your your strategy was to understand the underlying principles? Did you take a lot of notes, or did you simply work with the material in real time? Oh, I take a lot of notes. I took a lot of notes. I think it's uh, I think it's just like I think for me maybe it's my style. Maybe other people have different styles, but yeah. but you know writing it down is I think there's a study on that. Like writing stuff down is also a good way to commit it into your memory, mm-hmm. and uh, and it's just so much easier to see like in equations, for example, you know the number of people using this equal. Population multiplied by percentage multiplied by. I think it's just so much easier when you see everything on paper and it just makes sense to you. I would, I would strongly recommend taking a lot of notes and not just like scribbling on paper, but actually like structure your notes as well. Now, it's interesting you should say that because one of the things I recall very clearly and looking at my notes on you, it, it's big writing is that you have this. You had a very unusual ability to take notes while we were doing the cases. But you'd be doing the case at the same time, which I found very interesting. And and you, you're one of the few people I know who never asked me to slow down when I was giving them notes. Every single other client would want me to slow down as I gave them notes, but you never asked me to do that. Well, the real answer to that is that I was quite uh, embarrassed. And also, well, there are two reasons. First of all, I was just... Um, I was just embarrassed, like if I, I worry if I, you know, ask you to slow me down, you would think that I'm really, like, really below the line of the type of clients that you are dealing with. Because remember that I don't know about your client at that time. I just know that okay, you took me on. And mm-hmm. the second reason is that I know that the MBB firms has really high standards. Mm-hmm. So what went on in my mind is that if I cannot keep up with this speed, what does like how can I how am I supposed to keep up in real you know in real life? 
So you, in other words, you're trying to make your practice sessions as realistic as possible. Yeah. Okay, so let's maybe move away from the um, preparation for just a bit. What do you think were the key success factors for you getting an offer? If you were to think about what are the, the, the few things that you did very well or very differently from other people, do you have any ideas on what those would be? Differently from other people. Okay, let me think. It doesn't have to be different, but the things that you think had the biggest impact in getting you there. I think I think I'm quite lucky in a sense that okay, Southeast Asia is an emerging market. Mm -hmm. I remember that when I uh, when I went to my uh, to the MBB that I eventually went to, and then my project leader actually told me about the you know recruiting process, and then mm -hmm. he told me that you know they profile so exactly like what you say they profile the candidate pools, mm -hmm. and I belong to the wild card, mm -hmm. and so it's actually a good thing that 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 you know online application is not that big of a black hole in, in, in emerging markets because they actually they are quite open to looking at some of the people that doesn't come from, you know, the traditional source of candidates like mm -hmm. Ivy Ivy League schools. Mm -hmm. So I guess in terms of again coming back to uh, benchmarking, I may not if if I don't compare myself with other Ivy League students and within the wildcard pool, I think I I stand a good chance. And so um, I guess that's important. I also find that during the interviews, um, I'm, I'm, I'm really I'm honest. Like if like when people ask me, okay, why my firm? And I haven't talked to anyone from that firm. Like I told them that actually I, I haven't met anyone from your firm, <laughs> but here is what I can find from you know from what projects mm -hmm. that you have done in my country. And so even though I didn't exactly have the you know what people say as you know in your cover letter you have to write like okay I have spoke to Mr. A, B and C from your firm and then found that never that I didn't have that. But instead of talking to people, I say I have researched extensively on the previous project that you have done in my country and and that's why I think I want to work for your firm. So I guess like doing my homework and being completely sincere. So so you talked about honesty, which is an important trait we find amongst I think candidates with your background. They use honesty as a weapon in their interviews, and, and I mean that in a good way. Why do you think the honesty was such an attractive factor to the consulting firms? Because the, I think I think because there's there's no other way around it, right? I mean, even you know, elite firms they will sure run a background check mm -hmm. for for you before mm -hmm. they admit to their firm. And also, I think that you know, my I know that my background is unusual, so there is no reason for me to 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 play it down. In fact, I have um, I have I think I have exhibited a pretty good growth strategy mm -hmm. since I agree. since not speaking a word of English in 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 my first year in college to you know having other experiences and internships and you know abroad. Um, international experience and 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 learning the cases on my on my own. I think I think it's just like if you show them the trend and you know support it with reasons. I don't see why you would not be honesty when you're interviewing with uh, their firm. I find I find my interviewers are actually very interested in my profile and they did ask me a lot of personal questions about my family, my hometown, and I think that it works to my advantage and I think it will work to other candidates. Advantage if they uh, if there's anything special about them that they want to play up during the interview. Okay, so this raises two questions. I'm just going to comment on one, and then we'll discuss the other one, right? 
you point out something very interesting is that you were slightly, I'm going to use the word lucky in inverted commas here because it's not real luck, but you were lucky in the sense that you, you came from an emerging market and you knew that the pool of talent is not that big, so if you applied, they were going to look at your application, right? Yeah. But I think you, the, the part where you were not lucky but where you were smart is that you realize that and most people forget to realize that so they're unwilling to apply in the first place. Mm -hmm. Right. So most people think, oh my God, I went to a school that's unranked outside of my country. What chance do I have to apply to another country? So let's not do it. They are not willing to make the educated leap of faith, which you did and you planned that out very well. The, the, the second point which you raised is, is, is really interesting is that you know, you used you know honesty as a, as a clever tool to to guide you and to build a report with the interviewer. Do you feel that there's anything different about interviewing in Asia versus you know what you've read about interviewing in the West? Oh yes, big time. I think I think one of the most frustrating thing about um, interviewing, and I'm interviewing with two MBBs, so it's not just one but two, is that the process is really long. It's oh, So at one firm for me uh, is five months. The other firm for me, I think it's around eight or nine months mm -hmm. from, you know, taking the test at the beginning to, you know, just going through the round. Yes. And, and I think it's just, it's really frustrating for me. Like, it's, the process is not very inefficient, in my opinion. Um, another thing, uh, what else is... My case interview process, because I haven't interviewed, you know, at others, um, you know, other geography. But mm -hmm. in terms of the content, I guess it's really, it's really, it's really the same. I, I, I think. So the case, the material, the um, especially for McKinsey, I think, I think they have like they have a package for their case. It's really standard, six to eight questions. You crunch some number, and then so it's it's very rigid. I I guess I just my my main uh, complaint is the uh, is is the is the length of the process. Okay, so so let's let's imagine there's a let's assume there's a there's a young child or a young lady with a similar background to you from a similar let's assume from Bangladesh, right? Let's assume there's a young lady standing at a, at a you know good school, not great school, in Bangladesh. You know, very driven, exceptional grades, very motivated. Um, remember the context. She doesn't have a career counseling. She's been told she can't go anywhere. She doesn't have a chance out of this. And she's listening to this recording. What advice would you have for someone like that? So first of all, you have to actually apply. Mm -hmm. um, it's just like you say, many people, you know, at first I, I, I thought that I wouldn't want to apply to any of those firms because like, it's, it was a really a long shot. But then again, the people say, that, you know, you have zero, like the probability is zero if you don't take the shot. Um, and when you apply, uh, that's the first thing, apply. The second is to be really well prepared. I remember that interviewing with one, uh, with one of the two MBBs that I interviewed with, they printed out my cover letter mm -hmm. and they actually, they actually read it. So maybe like for other for other careers, people don't read your cover letter, but I think sorting person read your cover letter quite mm -hmm. carefully. True. So be really well prepared when you apply, and be really well prepared for the case interviews because you only have you only have one shot at it. You only have like forty five minutes to impress your interviewer. The third thing that I want to um, advise to those um, to 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 people is that think of your backup plan, think of your plan B. 
because you know there are only three there are only three McKinsey, Bain and BCG. Mm-hmm. And the slots are few and far between. Mm-hmm. And so and so have have a contingency plan because you know there are many ways to go to Rome. Maybe you're not getting into, you know, Bain or McKinsey now, but you know, a few years down the road you may become their consultant or the engagement manager is possible. Mm-hmm. So, so always have a contingency. That's my three advice, basically. Yeah. I want to touch on two points here. The first one is, you know, I, even though you're giving me some credit, how much I deserve it, but you know, to practice just three sessions and, and get in is, is really, really good. But how did you practice between the sessions we had? What did you do to, you know, improve your knowledge to learn more? How did you? take those three lessons and the videos and, and get to the point where you could pass the you know, McKinsey and BCG and so on case interview. Ah, okay. So, um, one, make an effort to review your materials regularly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, like, even when I write things down, I forget yes. quite easily if I don't revisit them later on. So, really, you have to make an effort. Second, don't study things in silo. But uh, study them in their, if I may use the, uh, maybe it's not the correct word, but in their ecosystem. Yeah, so let me illustrate. Let me illustrate that 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 point. So for example, you will see that uh, you know one of the most popular case interview type is uh, you know, the profitability case, mm-hmm. where you will have like either increasing revenue or decreased cost. And then within uh, increasing revenues, there will be like also one way to do that is to launch a new product. And so you will have a product launch case. And so, so you see that you know, different types of interviews, they're actually they're quite related to each other. Mm-hmm. And so moving from one to the other, is, uh, it's not that difficult. And you can actually, because you have to put things in perspective. And even in consulting, you will see that when, you, when people say that, OK, so this company is making $20 million per year, that number alone is meaningless. Unless you have said, okay, but the other company is making like a hundred million per year. So always, always put things in comparison and in perspective. And the same goes for studying as well. Um, the third, the third thing that helped me is that I I read a lot. Um, and by reading here, I mean because I, I understand that uh, consultants are very well spoken and very mm-hmm. articulate. And so and so you know, not being a native English speaker, I I understand that I have a lot to learn um, and I would people say that you should read a variety of things but I think I think one thing that, uh, that, that that might actually be helpful is that don't just focus on the short news article but learn to read long-form journalism mm-hmm. and by long-form I mean like reading the feature section under the New York Times the Atlantic mm-hmm. because uh, when you get into the job and I'm and especially at MBB is that you have that like, people would dump materials on you and you have you have like 30 minutes to summarize a vendor contract. Mm-hmm. And of course that's in English. So the, so the faster and the better that, you, that your reading comprehension skill uh, becomes good, and then, then, then the better it will be. You don't want to just like have to look up at, at, at new words again, uh, which is fine, but like just like have a really good reading ability and that goes a long way. Um, even in writing slides. Now, your English was pretty good when we started working with you, which is about a year and a half ago. You know, two years to year and a half ago, I can't remember the exact date. But how did, you know, 
it's a pretty big obstacle in the sense that if you can't speak English, it's pretty hard to work for a major consulting firm, if, if not impossible, right? Unless you, you know, working in a country where you only speak the local language, and that's very rare. Now, I think that's, it's a pretty big obstacle for most students. What advice would you have for them in learning English, as well as you did? My advice to them is to set aside, because there's no shortcut to, to learning a language. It's, it's, it costs a lot of time, not to mention money. Mm -hmm. For me, I have no money, so I've taught myself. So uh, my approach was for two years, like my freshman and my sophomore year. I set aside at least six hours listening and reading English material. And I do that like day by day, consecutively for two years. So that was a day? Yep, correct. I don't, wow. I don't, I don't like the education system in my country at all. So I, I don't, I didn't really bother to show up in class. And even I do, I would rob with me an English book so that I can read during classroom. I'm supposing that, you know, if you're from an emerging market like me, like probably your country's education system sucks as well. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so yes. So I basically, I created this, um, artificial immersion program mm -hmm. for myself and uh, and and I think it paid out because because I think there's no really there's no shortcut for for learning a language I've seen many people who spend you know, really expensive summer schools mm -hmm. and spend a year in 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 I don't know in Spain trying to learn Spanish mm -hmm. and, and 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 it didn't help at all so so you have to really immerse yourself and read really challenging uh, materials, uh, watching, listening podcast. Two years may sound may sound long to some people, but if you if you put into a context like just you know um, American kids, they learned English ever since they were mm -hmm. two or three. Mm -hmm. Then two years is just is nothing. And and how did you decide? I mean, six hours is is a lot of time, but it's actually not a lot of time if you put it into the context you have. So it's actually a confined space. What? How did you decide what material and what you're going to do in those six hours? How did you construct the program, the immersion, as you called it? Okay, that's that's a really good question. So I started out by uh, really basic. So in my country, there's an American Center, which basically I think the American Center is available at any uh, U.S. embassy. So they provide public library. Uh, to everyone, and so I was started out by just uh, using because I started from fresh. So um, I just started out by using really like elementary uh, materials, like basically a picture books, and then and then I always have with me a notebook to write news words. And uh, okay, I don't want to sound really um, like stereotypical here, but I'm the classic uh, example of like Asian road memorization type when it comes to language. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, okay, this is what uh, this is. Okay, this animal is called a cat. This is called a dog, and yeah. and just started up, 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 and up, and um, and when you build upon, when you build your vocabulary upon each other in such a short time and in an intensive time, uh, it actually builds a lot faster. So I constructed my material, my 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 learning program. I modeled it after the uh, public library at the American Center. Okay, and did you watch American sitcoms, TV shows, and so on, or British shows to help you? I did, I did. Until later I found out that I did for the first, I think for the first six months mm -hmm. or one year, for the first year, six months to 12 months, and then I realized that, you know, the American mass media is actually quite dumb. Like, you don't, you watch them, but 
they are just for entertainment purpose, which I like. I love friends. I love how I met your mother. But it's just it doesn't make your brains work. Mm-hmm. God forbid if you watch like MTV reality shows, because <laughs> don't watch that because that will that will make you sound like a fifth grader, the dumb yeah. one, not the smart one. Um, and then I switched to watching uh, documentaries and okay. also and also you know the likes of PBS, CNN, NPR, and um, and also like. Try to. I watch a lot of legal drama, especially I love like Boston Legal or The Good Wife, where you know lawyers argue across mm-hmm. um, courtroom. I think it's it helps a lot because you know the conversations are really interesting. At least the topics they discussed about you know the economy, life and death, and you know family relations. It's mm-hmm. just it's not just a way to learn a language. It's also a way to learn a new mindset and a new perspective for me. So I would really. So I would really advise people when they learn English, not just looking for for the cheap, easy media to consume, but also, but also some a more like a better resource to challenge your thinking, or if not challenge, then just to open your horizon. Now that's very interesting because you know it's a very different way of looking at things. You're obviously looking for for quality time that you were spending, as opposed to just going to the time to say I spent six hours reading English, right? Yeah. But I mean, when you were first started, it must have been difficult to be watching The Good Wife and discussing legal challenges. I mean, were you sitting there with a the dictionary, typing type, typing words into Google? Goodness, I uh, so I watch I watch each movie probably for two or three times, and it's it wasn't a good view experience at all. So I have a pause. Mm-hmm. I have my remote with me. I have my remote control with me, and I chose the um, I chose the one with subtitle, of course. So basically, yes. I was for thirty seconds, and then I pause, and then I I saw the words, which I have no idea. And uh, at the time, I didn't have a computer, so I have to use a like paper dictionary, and I <laughs> and I just like flipping the pages, trying to find the word. Oh my goodness! I I think it took me. Probably four hours just to get through one 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 episode or one or one or one movie. The creators of The Good Wife will be so proud to hear that you were so diligent about watching the show. <laughs> I guess. The, the the interesting thing about what you say is that you know when I speak to other, particularly female candidates who are you know in your position and you know basically didn't have a didn't English was not their first language and they're working with us. The, the bizarre thing, or maybe it's a happy coincidence, they all mention they start off with friends. But then they yes. gravitate to our shows, and they, and I'm not kidding when I say the Good Wife comes up very often. In fact, I think they all mention the Good Wife because of the language. Was first, it's a very you know professional language. But secondly, also the kind of lifestyle that is being lived. It's a, it's a professional lifestyle. So it's such an interesting coincidence when you say that. <laughs> but it's a good show, as I can say. I think I'm sure it's a good show, and you know Chicago is a very good city, except it's a bit cold in winter. Other than that, it's a great city. <laughs> so, t- speaking about the about the theme of learning, let's just move into you know case preparation again because it's on the same theme. We 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 have a very interesting style where we are very mentor driven, where we talk you through everything, right? We don't let you go and do stuff by yourself. How did you find that style? Did it was it useful for you? Did you would you have preferred if we let you do things more by yourself? You know. How did you use our style of teaching? Was it a complementary or less complementary for the way you learned? Oh, I think it fit my style perfectly. I think I think there are just so many things I didn't know, 
And I think the greatest ability of a teacher is, is how he or she can explain even the most complicated concept to a more layman terms. And, and even I, I studied business at my school, but because I, I never, we, we didn't even have to learn about the, the concept of value chain. Mm -hmm. and, and up till now, like, I think I still have to Google to know what mm -hmm. conjoy analysis is. <laughs> And so, you know, just the way you explain the materials to me, I think it's just super easy to take note, which is conducive to, you know, to learning and to, for me to synthesizing everything and then, and then revisit it often. I think one, one principle, one big principle in consulting is that you have to overstructure everything. Mm -hmm. And you did that, like, you know, first do this, then do this, then do this. You, do you understand why? I think that's just it's you don't you don't really judge when I have questions like even the most stupidest questions so so it's very conducive for me. I'm not sure. I think there are some people who prefer you know solving the problem by themselves first yes. before mm -hmm. further. But this guy actually saves a lot of time for me. Uh, you know, introducing the basic concept and then and then I can try to solve the problem later and if there's anything I don't understand I can consult you again you're always accessible on Skype which is a good thing so I don't yeah, see I think that one of the assumptions we make with any student even if they graduated first in their class at Harvard is they know nothing so we have to teach them everything and I think it's important to not assume anything now I do want to explore something you told me once and you may not remember you told me this but I, it stuck in my head because I wanted to ask you about it you told me that when we taught you the estimation approach the five-step process you then automatically used it for every single case, even full cases. I never understood that. I mean, how did you do that? I mean, it's not – you obviously made adjustments and tweaked it and adjusted it. Maybe you want to talk me through that? I think that there are just some common pattern in solving case interview mm -hmm. that, you know, the um, the estimation case is basically it's the, what you call it's like the brick. Yes. And, you know, even the full case is the house. Mm -hmm. It is built – of you know smaller bricks and so the basic principle is you taught me is this so first let's out like what are the drivers or so in this case like lay out the equation mm -hmm. and then plug in the assumptions which is the data that you mm -hmm. will ask the interviewers you may want to challenge that assumptions like how do you arrive at 30 percent how do you arrive at this and then you have to give your reasons and then and then there's a math case in the full case as well which is basically solving the equations and then uh, you always need to do a sanity check. In fact, sanity checks should be a way of life, mm -hmm. and not just uh, and not just a way in 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 you know case interview because like in real life yeah. you just can take everyone's speech in at face value. Yeah. So so yeah, I see a lot of commonalities between estimation case and full case and for me it's just it's just obvious that you know once I get the basic down and you told me the estimation case is really important so I yes. I keep it in mind as well so yeah it's, it's it's for me it's quite it's just the it's just the commonalities that I that I see across all the cases that I think is extremely useful when you when you speak to me it's it, it's it's apparent that you somehow, to me, don't understand how much you've accomplished in life. I think you've accomplished a lot. I deal with students from all over the world. I, I deal with students from every country who have you know, been in your situation, uh, been in better situations most of the time. And I, and, and I look at you, 
I think you've accomplished a lot and you will accomplish a lot more, much more in the future. So I think you must be very proud of what you've done. Uh, I, I always, whenever I compare students, I always think about Sandra and what she's done and how far she's come. And I use you as a benchmark, actually, when comparing the motivations of students and how they are, I think, making decisions that are good for them versus just good for the short term. So, you know, whenever you you may worry about how things may work out in your career, and I think everyone worries about that, you must always remember about what you've accomplished, which I think is a lot in a short space of time. Yes. <laughs> Thank you.